0: Hey there, this is Judy Kroon. Welcome to another episode of Laugh, Long, and Prosper. We've been talking about using humor in uh, different ways, combating all sorts of stresses in life, including COVID. And as uh, kids returned back to school this week, I was thinking about my father, because my father grew up in Holland, had to go to uh, school during the Second World War. And um, it's interesting how we approach things at different periods in life. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to get it from the horse's mouth. I'm going to talk to my dad about what it was like. So dad, take it away.
1: Yeah, I was four years old and uh, that's the first time that my mother decided I was going to the school. I was going to uh, kindergarten uh, which it was about uh, two kilometers away or two and a half kilometers away. And uh, my mother took me there on a bicycle. I was sitting in the back and she drove me to school. And uh, the next day she said, "Uh, Listen, Harry, you know where the school is now. You go and do it yourself. You go and walk to the school. And so I started out and I realized that from a distance I could see my mother way in the background following me. And I just kept going and eventually I got to the school. And uh, that next evening or that afternoon uh, I found my mother again hiding in a side street <laughs> and followed me back home and just to make sure that I was able to do it. Then next day, um, I was on my own and uh, although I tried to see where my mother was, she wasn't uh, coming. She was just let me go and, and let me do my own thing. And that's how I started off, going to school, Uh, in kindergarten for a year and um, after that I went to the regular school uh, which was in town and uh, was about uh, a walk of about two and a half kilometers and I met a a buddy Willie and uh, the two of us uh, lived in the same area so we went to school every morning together we had a big a bridge going into uh, into Germany, and all the goods that were delivered in Rotterdam and Amsterdam came via that bridge into Germany. And the the uh, the British were every morning and every afternoon they came to bomb the bridge, and uh, they were unable because the Germans had put machine guns and, and big guns and all kind of stuff around the bridge to hold off the the air, the diving aircraft. And um, So the bridge lasted the, for five years, and although it was bombed on a regular basis, on a daily basis more or less, Um, the bridge was was holding and uh, was eventually blown up in 1945 by the Germans when they retreated back into Germany. We were at that school uh, for around six years and um, it was during the days that, uh, that we walked to school that sometimes the dive bombers came in and we had to hide in stores and uh, and so forth to to stay away from the streets my mother said to me she said uh, you stay home today because i don't trust uh, the way things are right now so i stayed home and halfway around uh, half an hour into my normal walk, a house was bombed by a V2 bomb and completely flattened. And had I gone to school, I would have been in the area. So fortunately, I'm here. And that was because of the foresight of my mother. As we lived about a kilometer away, the windows out of the top top floor were blown out because uh, uh, due to the explosion. So that's how severe it was. So during the war, we uh, we ran out of shoes and we ran around on wooden shoes. And uh, every like three or, three or four months, we needed new wooden shoes uh, because they started to. You no, know, deteriorate, <laughs> and uh, that was uh, a bit of a rough time because these shoes were uh, really made for hanging on the wall or so as ornaments. But we, we walked on them with uh, with, uh, and my dad uh, put rubber soles underneath, so they lasted a little longer. So we had a we had a tough time during the um, during my school years to get to school and to get back. But um, we enjoyed every bit of it. We were children, and uh, a lot of things that happened during the war didn't affect us, and uh, you know, didn't harm us.
0: Didn't you say at one point, though, you played soccer, and if yeah. there were bombers coming in, they would—they uh, you would hear sirens. Yeah.
1: So, as a boy, when I was about seven or eight, we had a, a little field uh, behind us um, <clears throat> that um, we used as a soccer field. But our fathers were smart enough to tell us, look, if you guys play in the field, in the open field, put some manholes around it, dig some, dig some holes around it so you can escape when if something, some plane comes in and starts shooting or whatever, right? So we had these manholes uh, around the soccer field that we could dive into if uh, uh, planes were coming in and uh, started to uh, shoot at aircrafts that were coming over from from Britain to, to bomb Germany. Uh, so there were a lot of a lot of shooting going on when these aircrafts were coming over uh, uh, for sometimes half an hour at a time. And um, that was, uh, as children, it was a, uh, always you were on, on watch of what was going on in the sky and what was going on everywhere else. And um, one day we when we were playing soccer, we realized that one of the aircraft, uh, the American aircraft that were coming over to bomb Germany, was shot by, by uh, field at artillery for, from the Germans. And uh, this thing was cut in half and started to come down. And so we all dove in these manholes. And uh, my friend Willie who was uh, playing with us that day, um, realized uh, uh, after being in the manhole that when he looked out, there was a big gun right beside his manhole and was ready with bullets and everything in it. It was ready to be fired. And that came out of one uh, aircraft that was shot down. And uh, we said, well, gee, we were so lucky that we had those manholes to dive into. Right? So uh, during the war, um, we were always on our uh, best uh, to more or less trying to avoid difficult situations, especially when bombs are coming down and uh, certain houses, uh, several houses around our area were, were bombed by, by uh, sometimes German aircrafts or British aircrafts. Uh, whoever was shooting at who, uh, we were affected by it in a way. So uh, the, the time was not, not very uh, helpful for children, but we got through it, it took five years and we got through it and um, we, we survived and um, we didn't have any like bad feelings over the whole situation because we were children, you know, and it didn't go deep as, as, as it did to some of the adults.
0: You mentioned that you had a relative who, um, your uncle explained to, uh, explained to folks what happened to your uncle's house during oh, the yeah. war.
1: So my grandfather was living half, half, way between our house and the, the river bridge. And as this river bridge was bombed on a daily basis, my uncle, who um, was a a marine sergeant and uh, had retired a couple years before that, had bought a house close to the bridge. And my grandfather lived between us and the bridge, and uh, we were all over at my grandpa when the dive bombers came back in and tried to take the bridge out and while we were over at my grandpa we saw this big cloud of smoke in the bridge area and uh, we saw all that paper flying through the air and uh, my uncle bent over and he picked up a piece of paper and he says, oh my God, he said, my house is hit. His, uh, that was his own handwriting. And, um, on a so piece of paper? On, the, on a piece of paper out of, a, out of a, um, a book, right? And he saw his own handwriting and he says, oh my God, my house is hit. So we went, we ran over, uh, all of us, we ran over to his house. And while we were looking at his house, there was nothing left but the basement. And the basement was full of jars, like uh, glass jars, uh, where people uh, preserved food in glass jars uh, and... uh, prepared prepared it like beans and and carrots and that kind of stuff And, and all these glass jars were in his basement now when we got to the house all that was left was the basement and a pile of glass jars who were most of them were in good shape a couple of them were broken but it was very limited and uh, the sirens went off again and we had to rush out and we went back to my grandpa's house and um, when the sirens were silenced we rushed back to my uncle's home trying to rescue the at least what was left of the glass jars and when we got to the house there was not a jar left they were all stolen by other people that ignored the uh, the sirens (laughs) and uh, so my uncle said oh my god he said I lost the house now lost everything and uh, so he was quite distressed but uh, he should have never bought a house that close to the bridge.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now you said that um, you know uh, kids going to school you walked two kilometers, two and a half kilometers, you were four, five, six years old. Uh, did you miss any school because of the Second World War?
1: Yeah, we missed a couple of days here and there when when the, 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 the attacks were too heavy. Uh, most of the time it were like the Germans that were chasing uh, other aircraft in, in the sky and we, would, we were told we had sirens in, in, the, in the town all over the place that went, went berserk when uh, these attacks were taking place. Uh, we knew that once they were going, we had to stay home. So, but that wasn't uh, too often, Like maybe once a month we were in that kind of situation.
0: But was there a time during the war, maybe the beginning of the war, that parents said, maybe we shouldn't send our children to school. This is too dangerous.
1: Well, it might have been. Uh, I was never aware of it because my mother always sent me out <laughs> and I was the only son. So uh, had I had uh, like 12 brothers. I would have understood, well, okay, if one is, one is lost, <laughs> there's still 11 left. But I mean, I was the only son and, and I was sent out uh, on a daily basis. And uh, I never s- thought too much about it because we were told how to handle the situation while we were on the road. Getting into stores and, and uh, asking, asking the store owner, can we stay for five minutes? Right, so the store owners were always uh, obliged to open their doors for people that came off the street to more or less hide and and, uh, try to save themselves by getting into the stores. So we worked as a a community uh, trying to uh, survive. And then uh, a lot of times we, my, my dad went, like every morning he went on his bicycle with, with uh, he, he was the only guy in the neighborhood that was allowed to ride a bicycle because he was a first aid uh, nurse in a psychiatric hospital and he was allowed to ride a bicycle so every morning at four o'clock he went out to the farmers in the neighborhood uh, sometimes 20-30 kilometers away to uh, get food and you know like butter and milk and that kind of stuff potatoes from the farmers that he bought and uh he knew a lot of farmers in the area, of course, because uh, uh, he was doing it on a daily basis. Uh, what
0: time? What time did uh, he leave at?
1: But he left at four o'clock, and he had to be back by six because by six o'clock, the Germans put up uh, guards all around all around the city, and if you got caught, you got fined, and you lost your bicycle. Mm. So, uh, so he had to had to get out like four o'clock in the morning on on solid tires because we didn't have the the tires with the air in it. They were they were long gone by uh, 44, 1944. Uh, they were long uh, used up, and and there were no new tires coming in. So you had to more or less. Run your bicycle on solid tires on solid rubber rubber wheels. Yeah, we were we were uh, like sixty kilometers from the German border, and we had around us a lot of uh, farms, and it was like farm country. So uh, my dad, as I said, went out every morning at four o'clock and got food, and sometimes food for others, like my my aunts, and my mother had six uh, sisters. So they were all living around the area. So my dad picked up food for for others as well. Um, but we were lucky because we were able to get food. Now in in the west side of Holland, uh, it was heavily populated, and these people there were coming even on their bicycles, like going 120 kilometers on bicycles, mm. trying to get some food from our area because they had nothing. They were eating tulip bulbs mm. and they were starving wow. for the last, what, uh, four or five months of the war, you know, and that was terrible.
0: Didn't Opa run into a woman who wanted to trade with him?
1: Oh there was a yeah there was a a, a woman that had a, a gold ring on her hand and and uh, she said, Sir, you got any anything that we can can uh, get from you because uh, we are starving she said, "Give me a pound of butter and you, I'll give you my wedding band and he said, um, no he said he said, "You hold your wedding band, Here's your pound of butter Wow." So he gave, he gave the pound of butter away to a woman that he didn't even know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was, uh, there were tough times, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, when you live through a war, like a child, it's uh, a lot of things go by you that we don't realize are happening mm-hmm. because you you are, immune as a child to a lot of things that are happening to adults like adults were picked up from the street and in in, and investigated and and questioned and put in jail sometimes for things they were not even doing and uh but we didn't know about it you know
0: what would you say to parents nowadays that are worried about their children going to school or not going to school in this day and age of COVID? What would you say to parents that are worried about their children's education or worried that this is going to have a lasting, scarring effect on their children's psyche?
1: Um, I don't think it's going to affect the children too much because children are very flexible um they they have a different look at life they're not as as uh, affected by it as adults are because adults are worry horses mm. children are not children are they they play and they they forget and they forget what happened yesterday right uh but it's uh for a child, it's the moment. For an adult, it's forever. You remember that forever, you know? So for children, it's, it's, they get through it. They, they understand, they get through it, but they're lighthearted about this whole situation. Um, it doesn't affect them mentally as much as it would adults. You
0: know? All right, so there you have it from uh, the horse's mouth. My father, Harry DeCroon, who lived through the Second World War, and he got through it, so we'll get through it. Maybe take a little bit of advice there, uh, you know, be, be childlike in our, in our ability to live in the moment. Exude that hope, exude that happiness, exude that sense of humor, because you know what? The kids are going to be all right. On behalf of Laugh Long and Prosper, I'm Judy Croon.